Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in. It is hour number three of V-CIN Bet Center from downtown Las Vegas on a Saturday night at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. Back with Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson. We're getting into our NFL Week 17 previews. First, though, a couple quick updates. More of the same in the Sugar Bowl. More punting. Should have just taken the, the, the ridiculously low second half under. Even though Baylor's, <laughs> Baylor's good reasonable field position here to begin this. The only touchdown in this game, a pick six. A pick six off of the backup quarterback for Ole Miss, Luke Altmeyer who replaces the injured Matt Corral, who goes down with a, a bad-looking leg injury, ending his collegiate career in the first quarter. So Baylor with the ball, they have now continued to climb up. Highest we've seen them in the live market tonight, now laying 9.5. Also the lowest we've seen the total in the live market all night. This was a 60-burger, Jeff. If you bet the under, congratulations. You uh, you want to bet on New Year's Day. Uh, I, I, think, I feel pretty confident in saying that bet has already cashed. 26.5. Here comes the nine overtimes. Here comes <laughs> That uh, that would be something if that actually happened in the in the Sugar Bowl and the one marquee NBA game we were tracking between number one Golden State number three Utah in the West Utah who was down fourteen at the half uh, a twenty point edge in the third quarter they've carried that into the fourth still up six ninety four eighty eight nine forty six to go in the fourth quarter as we wait for an updated in game line last though I am seeing six and a half live on Utah uh, with that total of two twenty eight and a half. All right, Jeff, it is that time of the show. We go into our fade or follow segment, Circa Millions Consensus Lines for week number 17. The number one selection, we'll circle back, discuss this game at the end of the segment. Not a surprise at all that nearly 2,000 of the people in Circa Millions chose the Green Bay Packers, which had the news on Kirk Cousins come out after these lines were already released when that news uh, dropped on uh, Friday morning. Packers minus seven, the the huge nearly 2,000 uh, selection. It, that, here, that's, I believe that is the most selected side be. of the entire season. Has to be. Barely certain on that. Have we, have we, ever, have we ever, ever cracked 2,000? Obviously, this is, so. maybe the, I, the, probably, this is maybe the largest pool of people that there have been in that's gonna be That's going to be worth a, uh, we're going to we're gonna have to text our guy Jeff Benson and, uh, yeah. and uh, see on that one. But I, I would imagine 1,921 is the most we've had this year. A good inquiry. Also, the fact that more people selected the Minnesota Vikings than the Broncos, than the Saints, than the Falcons, the Jets, Seattle. and uh, the and, as well as the uh, as well as the Ravens and Seattle. How do you figure that? Is that just a well? Is Ravens, that, is that, four more. Uh, look, 
Is that, are, a, is that a game theory thing, if anything? I, I Maybe. I, I look, I just... And we are two you, weeks from the end. Yeah, I mean, the, a little bit possibly on that. There's and, no way or, this or, happened or, in week or people, two. Or people submitted on Thursday thinking, oh, I'm going to have a good time on New Year's Eve. Well, if you're, if you're spending the uh, four-digit entry fee to uh, to, to, I don't know. to think look, that look, way, I don't know what look, to tell look, you. There are some sides that I just would want nothing to do with this week. Uh, we'll get to Jacksonville later. We'll get to uh, some other games, but I, I'm a little surprised that Minnesota. I had more. Had than, that, I, yeah, I know it's a bad, I know it's a bad number on Baltimore in there, but I know we'll get that in a second. That's a ve- that's very surprising me. Surprising. I'd rather have Baltimore at the bad number than Minnesota. Well, let's go to that right now. Number two selection, 1339, the Los Angeles Rams laying three and a half in this contest. You certainly understand, we talk about this, the logistical reasons for that based on a line move. And we are now seeing, again, without any firm uh, action, Jeff, shown on the Baltimore side as to whether or not Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, will in fact play tomorrow after being extremely limited on Wednesday's practice. We saw the videos of him hobbling pretty severely at practice, did not practice as a result both Thursday and on Friday, a firm questionable. This thing today, Jeff, really started to get out of hand. It was five coming into the weekend, bet up to six, basically market-wide. There is one book in town, Jeff, that is now up to Rams minus six and a half. And despite all of that, even at the minus three and a half, I would only, I would fade uh, that selection. At least that is, that is just me. On the thought, partially, that with what we've seen out of Matthew Stafford has, has not left much confidence at least on him specifically. And we, we just had the conversation, Jeff, on Cincinnati and their pass offense and how they decimated a 30th-ranked Baltimore pass defense. Essentially, when you play Baltimore at this point, Jeff, if we're looking at the defensive side here for the Ravens, they're sixth against the run, 30th against the pass, which means you better have a quarterback you trust because you are going to move the ball and have effectiveness against Baltimore by passing the football down the field. What has Matthew Stafford shown us here over the last five weeks? He's been a guy who's missed wide-open targets, made questionable throws all over the place. And you look at his, and I've been looking at a lot of the, the completion over completion percentage over expected. That's like one of the metrics I like to look at, especially late in the year when you have a really good high amount of data. And Matthew Stafford over the last five weeks now, basically a mid-tier quarterback. He's 17th, of 30, 17th out of the 32 who qualify with over 100 snaps. He has a negative completion percentage divided by his expected. So essentially what that boils down to is, his expected completion percentage compared to his actual completion percentage, he has been worse than he ought to be based on the scheme that the Rams have drawn up. It's a long way of saying, I do not trust Matthew Stafford in a game where they will be relying on him to throw the football a lot based on the strength of the Ravens defensively. And even when we can, obviously you can touch more on the Baltimore quarterback side, but that's really the crux of it. Because to me, Tyler Huntley is a better option at quarterback than Lamar Jackson. That same metric I just talked about, and basically any other quarterback metric has shown Tyler Huntley, at least in this last five, five week sample size has been a quarter better quarterback than Lamar Jackson at his current hobbled state. Huntley right now, again, not long-term obviously because Lamar still is an MVP and a top seven quarterback. Correct. in the league. Yes. But at the moment with Jackson losing, what makes him special, the ability to move and be elusive and be the best, the best running quarterback the league has ever seen. Sorry. Michael Vick uh, fans. Lamar is a better runner than Michael Vick was. Um, and to take that away from him, he even the, even though Lamar has gotten better over the years as a pocket passer, he's still not good enough to carry a team like he was in his normal state. Huntley's been significantly better than I would have thought. 
in these last few weeks when he's played. Um, and, and I actually thought Baltimore was relatively live last week to give Cincinnati a game uh, in that one, but because he was hurt and, or excuse me, had COVID and Josh Johnson at the play, mm-hmm. forget it. Uh, Baltimore, look, Ben, Baltimore has just been so eviscerated by injuries this year. And even when they weren't eviscerated by injuries, I thought they were pretty lucky to hang around. They lost that game. They, excuse me. They lost week one to Vegas, a game they probably should have won. They beat Kansas City in a game Kansas City should have won. Edwards, Alaires, and Fumble, KC wins. Uh, the game against Indy, total choke by the Colts. That might be the reason Indy ends up not with a first-round buy, as crazy as that sounds at this rate. So, but look, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing Baltimore win this game. But at the current number, I would only bet the Ravens because when Huntley has played, they have played teams close. They haven't been able mm-hmm. to get by the good teams with Huntley, but they've been able to play them tight. Does this so? This clearly the market moved today, Jeff, indicating from at least the market perspective I mean, that Lamar I, Jackson will not play. But it, the question I have is, does this get to seven? Because we have seen how. These line moves have, I mean, this is kind of the same vein that we were talking about with the Packer Ravens line a couple weeks ago where same sort of thing happened. And then when the actual announcement was made, you saw another jump up and that went as high as Packers minus nine. Certainly the Rams are, are probably not, would not get to that point, but don't you think seven is realistic here? At which point yeah, I think don't so. you think you're obligated to play yeah, Baltimore? You, look, if you get seven, I'm going to bet Baltimore. I might bet Baltimore at the six if it doesn't move off of that. So uh, look, it's it, it, it just one of those monitors, see the reports in the morning, and go from there. I Look, that Green Bay number got completely out of control. I'm kind of, I'm a little frustrated myself that I didn't just back in with Baltimore, the big number, and at least create that middle uh, out of the gate. But look, uh, that is, it's obviously an important game for both teams. The Rams actually, as ridiculous as it is, can legitimately clinch the division tomorrow with a win and a loss by Arizona, which is obviously what is expected That's based off the numbers. the line is, yeah. So, uh, look, uh, credit to the Rams for really not beating anyone other than Tampa until that Monday night in Arizona and is taking full advantage of the Cardinals just collapsing down the stretch here. We are going to get a seven to this game, Hi. Based on if we give, if we get, what if we, we have seven, seen, and I will be yeah. betting Baltimore. Yeah, if we get a seven, it's definitely a play. I think it's six. You have to consider it with Baltimore. Meanwhile, at the Green Bay line that we mentioned, that is your number one consensus play. You're now up to 13, basically, market-wide. I see a straight 12 and a half the, out there, Jeff. The one last thing. The, yeah. one, the one big difference with the Green Bay game against Baltimore and this Ram game, that was a 425 Eastern game. So people were just betting Green yes. Bay the whole day. They'll still, be able to, they'll, they'll still be able to bet Green Bay the whole morning, or excuse me, L.A. the whole morning, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the same. Where that, that is a good point. That yeah. moved up probably an extra point and a half because of the later kick. That's a good point you make. But now with the pack, so everybody, and it makes sense. If you're in a contest, you know, we use that free bingo square terminology, Jeff, somewhat lightly, but because it's, you know, it's the NFL, you never know. But it is Sean Mannion who will be going to Minnesota and a line that is now up to, like I said, 12 and a half. Or 13, we're showing uh, yeah, we're showing the 13 here via vcin.com. A guy in Sean Mannion, uh, zero career touchdown passes, Jeff. Three interceptions, did start week 17 last year for the Vikings. They had that home loss, 21-19 to the Bears. Was not impressive, 12-21, 126 through the air, and two INTs. Is there anything worth betting at this current number? We know why everybody is betting Green Bay at the seven, but that is obviously that number long gone. Anything you would do at this point. Also, by the way, see how the total has gone down. To 42 and a half from what was at 1.47 earlier in the week. So the big question is, I, I, I know Green Bay's playing for the one seed and everything with that. What is the motivation here for Green Bay going against a bad... Look, there's a little bit of a difference. We didn't know what Huntley really was going into that Green Bay game. 
He had shown some glimpses of being okay. He's also but all preseason. He'd also shown, shown some glimpses in that Bear game where Baltimore was inept. We know Sean Mannion's bad at playing quarterback in the National Football League. I would only, even at the bloated number now, I would only look to lay with Green Bay. This feels like just, you take Dalvin Cook out of the game, as good as Justin Jefferson is, it's hard to make plays when you have no one throwing the ball to you or no one able to throw the ball to you the way that you want. So I'd only lay Green Bay at the 13. I know it's hard to say free bingo square in the NFL. Yeah. This kind of feels like it with the seven in the conference. Joe Webb or Sean Mannion, worst quarterback. Oh, boy. I'll let you stew. I'm going to stew on that, but I, 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 I lean Webb was worse. We'll continue our fader follow. Talking a big game in the AFC. Titans-Dolphins up next here on VSIN Bet Center. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast to get beating the book with Ken Alexander for Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. As we're back on VSIN Bet Center with Jeff Parles, I'm Ben Wilson. And Jeff, we, against all the odds... Have a touchdown scored by Ole Miss. Yes, it has happened, Jeff. How how did this? Can you explain as I'm watching the replay? No. Nah, how did this actually happen good for Ole deep, Miss? Good little deep shot. Good route. Great catch in the end by Sanders. You're making and, it uh, seem so simple. Eh, look, <laughs> it, it, in the end, it was pretty simplistic. But uh, I man, if you're Baylor, if you're, how if you're Baylor? What are you in this doing? Game where. Ole Miss has, obviously on the backup quarterback, really hasn't done anything in this game. Your only touchdowns on a pick six. That was a deflected ball. I, I Baylor's really showed pretty poorly in this game. Jerry Bohannon, three of 10 for 15 yards. Baylor has four first downs in the game, Jeff. There is nine minutes and 13 uh, seconds to go I, in the I, third I, quarter. I cannot wait for this game to get the overtime at 10 to 10. And then, and, then never end. and then everybody has to sweat out their, their, their dead right, easiest <laughs> winner of all time totals here in these overtimes. Granted, it's a little uh, hard. It's harder to get blown up in overtime like it was in the past because now it's a point shootout. Versus, yes. Yeah. Braylon Sanders, 38-yard touchdown reception from Luke Altmaier. 
Luke Altmaier, responsible for all 14 points in this game. Go figure if you had a prop bet on that. Coming in with Matt Corral going out in the first quarter. Uh, seven all, though, with Baylor getting the ball back. They are still two-and-a-half-point favorites. Heavy juice on the Baylor side in the live line. Live total, 31 and a half. Remember, your second half total, 21. So we have seven points scored there. By the way, quick 5-0 spurt for the Warriors. Jazz just got a bucket to respond. 252 to go in the game. Warriors 111. Jazz 108. Warriors minus two and a half live now as we are going down the stretch. Number one in the West. Warriors number three in the West. Uh, Utah. So we'll keep you posted on the final uh, seconds of that game. Uh, but Jeff, we go back to the fade or the follow. Circa millions consensus picks for week 17. Tennessee Titans, your number three consensus pick, laying three in the contest and another a contest here in town, the Westgate Super Contest. It is Tennessee minus three and a half. Not a surprise with the, the game right around a key number that for betters getting the best of it, going to take the Tennessee Titans. Just over a thousand selections on Tennessee this week. Miami, though, has won seven straight, Jeff, and they have looked impressive on the defensive end doing it. We saw Tennessee. They do have the three-day rest advantage off the Thursday night win over San Francisco. Miami beating the Ian Book-led New Orleans Saints on Monday night. Are you... Jeff, going to fade or follow this one at the current three, at least in the millions. We didn't put it in our contest. Going to follow, uh, though, for myself. I Look, Miami, What it, Brian Flores, if they make the playoffs and win out, deserves to be coach of the year. Because this team just isn't that good. I think they, they're really smoke. They've been smoking mirrors the whole year. Uh, Jalen Waddell is awesome. There's no arguing that. Other than that, they're all right, too. It's about a league average quarterback at this point, but you're not winning anything of significance with them. And yet, this team has gone from 1-7 and seven to 8-7. and seven. Uh, You look at the quarterbacks they've beaten, though. In this, oh, is it a doozy? In this run, Taylor, who Tyrod, by the way, turned it over five times. Tyrod, that, that was his Tyrod, first yep. game after the, after the injuries. Yep. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, who was at the beginning of not looking like himself. But I'll give him credit for that, though, because no, the no, rest it, of the list, it goes yeah, no. like... That in a hurry. Flacco. Joseph, Cam. Newton. Glennon. Michael. Zach Wilson. Ian Book. Not, not exactly murderers yeah. row. And look, they beat, and they, their other win, they beat New England and Mac Jones' first start in the NFL. So for me, I just, look, I, I, I am not buying Miami. I really haven't bought Miami through this whole thing. There was just opportunity, like last week was, a great opportunity to buy against a guy who just is not ready to play in the league and may never be ready to play in the league and book. Uh, but against Tennessee, it looks like AJ Brown's going to be able to go, which was a concern earlier Full in the week. Full participant on so, Friday. So that's big. Uh, Tennessee uh, definitely helped by the new COVID rules where you can get guys back after five days of asymptomatic. Uh, so it looks like a bunch of those guys are going to come off the list for tomorrow as well. So uh, laying three with the Titans, I think that's the move. Uh, this total is very interesting how low it is at 40. I think that may yeah. actually be a little low, Ben. I agree with you. And my handicap of this, and I, I like Tennessee at the three, definitely a play for me, staying off of it at three and a half. But you look at Tennessee, I, to me, the matchup is more Tennessee's pass defense against Miami's, which despite the dink and dunk nature of Tua Tagovailoa, they've been incredibly efficient in this stretch over the past five weeks. If we're just looking at that sort of chunk of the pie here, Miami leads the league in early down success rate passing the football, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. So while we obviously talk about all the terrible quarterbacks they've been facing, they've been finding a way to have efficiency in the passing game. But Tennessee, 10th pass defense on the season, 8th on early downs. That, to me, is the matchup, Jeff. 
And I trust in a, in a game in Nashville for Tennessee, understanding they can clinch the AFC South with, with the win and clinch no worse than the number two seed in the AFC with the win, keeping the pressure on Kansas City. That is more of the reason why I like Tennessee with the matchup on that side of the ball as opposed to this smoke and mirrors against terrible quarterbacks Miami defense because that is kind of a kind of baked in there that Tennessee is going to have much more success off on their offensive side than we've seen these previous quarterbacks have against Miami. I'm not, I, I'm curious what you think about that with like how Miami the numbers actually do say like the quarterback play has been really really good and part of that is you know game the, the game management the tempo of everything and when they but when they get behind it it certainly becomes a different story. No, and look and uh, and other than that horrible pick six that two or threw against the Jets to let them back in the game in this run where Miami's winning two is not really turning the ball over. So I think that's part of it as well. Uh, look again, I don't I I think two is league average. I, I think my, he's probably. Your quarterback in Miami next year as well. I don't. I am not buying into Deshaun Watson stuff because this team flipped when the trade deadline passed. They were way out of it. I mean, they were they were they were one. That was the one and seven before the trade deadline. And it would not have made sense. Right? And they haven't lost. And they haven't to lost since. So try and trade. For... De- yeah, definitely, definitely helped them out there, Ben. Yeah. But but in the end, this this should be about Tennessee, and as you mentioned, cl- close out the AFC South. And if, ten, and if Kansas City loses, then Tennessee's playing for the one seed next week. And I would hope Tennessee is good enough to not get swept by Houston. I hope they're good enough to not get swept by Houston. Hey, Houston has a shot to have a winning record in division games, you see. <laughs> and could, could nuke a whole lot of win total under bets at the yes. four and a half over the next two weeks. We'll get to them. And by the way, this is three now market wide. And I see a couple of books now shading towards that, uh, that 39 and a half. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. But. I mean, if, if this gets the if way, this thing gets enough public support to push it under the three, that is going to be the, a fire. On, the one uh, on thing that I will say, though, the weather is not good in Tennessee tomorrow in Nashville. You're gonna have about 15 mile an hour winds. It's it was looking like it might snow earlier in the week. They we will not get snow in that game. No, it's gonna be about 40 degrees uh, there at uh, well, Nissan Stadium in, uh, in in Nashville. Uh, and yeah, the, the Deshaun Watson thing will be that'll be quite the storyline uh, here in in the off season. The yeah. other facetious concern is that Purdue and Tennessee score all the points for that stadium. Oh this week. yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that's a real part of the handicap. That's a big time, big time one. Uh, there. Yeah, as def- I say, facetiously, def- completely. Uh, by the way, Dylan Doyle becomes the first Baylor player with a rush touchdown, receiving touchdown and a sack in the same game. Which apparently, I guess it must have happened earlier in the year. I'm just reading off uh, okay. fun facts as they appear on the screen. Still 7-7. Baylor has moved the ball into Ole Miss territory. Four minutes to go in the third quarter uh, there in the Sugar Bowl. Fourth game on the consensus here. Arizona Cardinals plus six against the Dallas Cowboys. And that's a line that is and now ticking up to about six and a half basically everywhere here. Your total 51 and a half to 52 and a half. Uh, we talk about, I mean, we're going to talk about another game here in our next segment. Pittsburgh, you, you want to go down Narrative Street. This is probably a close second here. I mean, we have heard all week uh, Cardinals are soft. They are poorly coached. They're done. They're a first half of the season team. Dallas puts up a 50 burger on Sunday night football, Jeff. So there is a, there is that temptation there to go to go against the grain on the narrative here. Look to buy low on Arizona. Are you feeling the same way as many 963 people in Circa Millions are this week? So we put it in. Uh, I, I'm a little uh, little less confident. Uh, than uh, than uh, Wes was on this, but uh, look, I, the the reasoning is sound here. Uh, and I, look, it's hard to say, oh, you're buying low in week 17 of the season. I understand yes. that angle as well. But look, Dallas just is, Dallas just scored the most points they've scored in the game in 45 years last week. 
against Washington. Arizona's looked really terrible. Uh, I, I don't think they're that good. I think they're a great fade in the playoffs if the line doesn't get too out of control. But for one week, I think the Cardinals can play this game tight. Now, would it shock me if Dallas wins by three touchdowns? No, wouldn't shock me. But uh, yeah. I, if you made me, if I were playing at the number now, I'd only bet Arizona, even though this may get to seven because this is a later afternoon game. I, I'm with you on the, the follow thought. I would not. I don't want to play this with a real-life bet. And let's just consider here for, for Dallas, only the second 300-plus-yard passing game for Dak Prescott since that week seven bye, you have uh, you have a team Dallas their four game winning streak. We, we, we want to go down that that rabbit hole of quarterbacks they faced. I mean two games against Washington, Taysom Hill with the Saints and Mike Glennon of the Giants. So I think we need to slow the the boat a little bit on New York. Having said that though, this is a statement game for Arizona. Oh yeah, and a proving. I mean, Kyler Murray negative EPA per play since the bye week, and he has not been hurt. Like this is not the case as last year. So. We'll see what happens in that game. By the way, interception in the Sugar Bowl will tell you what has happened there and what the new lines are on the other side right here on VC. We have a new prop tracker now available on vcin.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to vcin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value, track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash NFL. As we're back on vcin Bet Center, the game that uh, just keeps on giving. Jeff Parles, Ben Wilson back with you as Jerry Bohannon is picked off in the red zone. And all of a sudden, uh, Luke Altmyer has just basically become the second coming of uh, of Joe Namath out there and uh, in, in New Orleans. I guess more like Archie Manning as they they had the they showed up you know the banners in the Superdome. Luke Altmyer, the backup quarterback here, throws a 38 yard touchdown pass to Braylon Sanders on the previous drive. He just hit another big shot down the field, which I believe Jeff they are reviewing. Looked like a pretty clean catch in it might, real time. It might have might have been out of bat. Might have touched the foot. Out of bounds, it would have been illegal touching. Mm. That's the only thing I could see there. I thought that was a pretty good catch too, uh, Firmingo. Yeah, would have. I mean, would have been a pass into Baylor territory here. One thirty-seven to go in the third quarter. I imagine having a because Baylor was. I mean, this was around a pick of most of the week. But when you look at how this line closed, Jeff, I mean, it ended up uh, with a lot of support coming to Ole Miss. One and a half. I mean, imagine having Baylor in any sense. You're up seven nothing. Matt Corral is knocked out of the game, and yet Jerry Bohannon in this game has been horrific. 5 of 14, 32 yards. They they do have now seven first downs, Jeff, so we'll give them a little credit there, but what a brutal showing by this Baylor offense, and at uh, 7-7, I mean, you were not even close to being out of the woods. You're going to be a sweat uh, down down to the stretch. Sweat to the finish. Especially on that Baylor side. Man, they are reviewing this uh, on the whether the pass was complete or not. All right, we go back to our NFL uh, Week 17 uh, previews. Uh, by the way, one other Thing here, Warriors did close out the Jazz. Ended up being somewhat, wasn't uh, did not come down to a potential buzzer beater at the end as the Warriors did go on a late run. They do win the game, though, 123-116 as they cash a, a size of plus 185 money line shot there over the Jazz, catching five and a half or six points on the road. So the Warriors remain your number one team in the Western Conference. Utah stays number three. Uh, as we resume our Week 17 previews, we've talked about a lot of the really good Sexy matchups on the board, Jeff. Uh, there's some other things on this card that uh, are, are maybe the opposite of that. There are a lot of fun matchups. A lot this of fun week. matchups. Yes, the game and the game with the the most wind, the or the highest wind at least in the forecast, is Ooh. going to be in the windy city, where we will have 
quite possibly the more one of the most comical quarterback matchups of this season as the apparently Mike Glennon-led New York Giants go into Chicago to take on the now Andy Dalton-led Chicago Bears and a spread that is at six and a half. How about that total, though? <laughs> 36. So, uh, Ben, I have a question for you. Go ahead. Why is Andy Dalton starting this game over Nick Foles? And the other question I have is, how is that even a possible question of week 17 of the season? Uh, but I don't get going back to Dalton here. If you're the Bears, I understand not playing Justin Fields. I understand that. Fields should not take another snap this year. There's no reason, no reason to play him again. You're going to have a new staff there next year. There is no reason to give him to have it, give him the potential to possibly injure himself further behind a bad offensive line. There's no reason. But there's no reason to not play Nick Foles in this game instead of Dalton. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, ben, here's the deal. This comes down to two things. Do you feel comfortable laying almost a touchdown with a horrible team? Or no. do you feel comfortable taking po- any amount of points with an offense that is so pathetically bad right now? And by the way, Kenny Galladay is the only active wide receiver as of yesterday because of injury and COVID-related issues for the Giants. How are the Giants moving the ball in this game? I think the best way the Giants score in this game is Dalton throws a pick six, which, by the way, is totally in playoffs. But that's it's funny. Like so, the total is so low that these two quarterbacks, like I don't know that. I mean, I I'm I want, very no, I, I'm I am tempted by the under, but I I can't. And it's it's thirty six and a half. Most shops there are some thirty sixes out there, but that is part of uh, part of the the theory here that even though it is such a low total, like do you really want to support either of these guys? And I mean, too, it's also one of those things where like Andy Dalton. Has the last three games he started before his injury, 0-3 against the number. You had Mike Glennon, his three starts this year, 0-3 against the number, 0-3 straight up. Giants were not particularly competitive in any of those games. Here's the, the, like the magic to me in this game, Giants 27th defending the run this year. The one thing the Bears have done decently well is that they are like, 10th in, uh, in their run block, win rate, 21st rushing offense, but much better than they are uh, passing the football. You have to imagine that, especially with the wind, 15-plus mile an hour, 21-degree uh, day expected to be in Chicago tomorrow. That is going to be the where this game comes down to. Who can run the ball more effectively? But when you're looking at six and a half, seven, I mean, these, these large single possession spread lines, like the team totals in these last three Dalton starts, 13, 14, 22. So I'm, you know, and I think of a game where Chicago going to lean on the ground game. This will be a low possession low scoring type affair 13 nine feels like a very real plausible outcome in this game. And it's why, while I don't want to get involved as we discussed with the totals because of the potential variance there with the quarterbacks, giving the ball away to the other team. I remember the last time we saw Andy Dalton was the Cardinal game where it was what five, five turnovers. Uh, he, and he single-handedly helped Arizona to win that game by 11 at the same time. It's why I would not want to lay it with Chicago. I wouldn't even feel that comfortable teasing them down. I know that's been a popular teaser play this week. I think you're better off just putting the hands up as uh, as you are, Jeff, and staying away. There's there, there's really not much you can do here. I mean, <laughs> I don't think you're gonna like yourself if you have a money line parlay go down because Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's. Yeah, that or, would be or a teaser. One, yeah. I mean, it's just not it the just, team total under fourteen and a half now, for the Giants is the one thing. That's yeah. I, I don't have a problem if you bet that. Now, the other thing to look at here, we talked about it earlier, and it seems to have played out in the Sugar Bowl. 
if you get a nonsense touchdown early in this game where you get someone scoring on a short field off a turnover, the Bears return a kickoff for a touchdown, Andy Dalton or Mike Glennon throws a pick six, all realistic things, and this total has to get bopped up into the low 40s because the touchdown happens early enough and it's a fluky touchdown, that is almost an automatic bet the under there for me. Almost. There are some factors that would change it, but that's almost there for me. We'll see if it happens. Watch, you know, we'll, we'll watch something. 39-38, let's do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I was going to go there. Both, both teams go over. Don't mention 39-38 oh, to Giants to, fans, Jeff. Come I'm on. Sorry. Come on. Well, I mean, for, of, for, for you. Well, it, it, I'm more referencing the 2002 oh, of course. wild card game, but no, nah, I mean. There's Trey Junkin these days. I, that's a very good question. <laughs> very, very good question. Uh, that is that is the first of the uh, the two games we discussed this segment. The other one, believe it or not, there is uh, there is there's another game that is a very high spread game in this, slightly higher total. I'm not sure if it's any more appealing than this game, but at least to watch. But Jaguars Patriots play in Foxborough. Patriots with the two game losing streak. Uh, here's the thing, though, Jeff Jacksonville has a whole boatload of guys on the COVID list, and uh, as we talk right now, very unclear as to whether any. Or how many will be back? Nine starters on the COVID list, including their left tackle, their left guard, their center, and their right guard. Their top three tight end options are all out, who we've seen the rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, rely on fairly heavily. Uh, and you have seen this line just continue to, to bop higher and higher. It's now 16 on our screen. There are some 16 and a halfs, though. A lot of 16 and a halfs, in fact. And it would, would it shock you, Jeff, if this got uh, north of 17 by the time we get to kick, especially with once we get some of the confirmations as to which players will actually be out there for Jacksonville, because it's basically the Houston scenario from last week where Houston had no offensive line. Now they've scored 41 points on the chargers. Another tale of all of itself, but likely we're going to see a Jacksonville team on the road. They complete dead dog at already now at two and 13 without its entire, basically offensive line here. In all likelihood, at least. <laughs> I uh, here, here's the thing, Ben. I don't like laying that many points with a team that I'm not convinced is going to be able to score enough, even on New England's offense. New England's offense played pretty well last week in defeat the Buffalo. Is their defense that was the problem? But this would be a scenario where I'm actually okay laying 16, 17 <laughs> with New England because how is Jacksonville going to move the ball in this game? With no offensive lineman, James Robinson's season is over with the Achilles there. And the one uh, thing they did well, Jacksonville, yeah, was running the D- football. D- Daria Gumbalale is going to be the number one running back. And uh, Lawrence, look, Trevor Lawrence actually played pretty reasonably last week against the Jets, but that's the Jets who have the worst defense in the NFL. And now you play a legit top five defense coming off probably their worst game, excuse me, their second worst game of the year because the Dallas game, I think they were worse than they were against Buffalo because they at least got some stops. Uh, in big spots against Buffalo last week, but this is a horrible team in Jacksonville. New England needs to win this game. Like They're the six seed. They, right they got to win this game. If Buffalo somehow stubs their toe against Atlanta, New England will slide right back into being the division leader. And the fact that Urban Meyer gets canned and Jacksonville promptly gets outscored 56 to 37 against the Texans and Jets in back to back games. The two worst teams Can't in the NFL. Can't compete with the elite coaching and Coley and Middleton, Ben. Come on. Now, there's a statement I thought would never be uttered. <laughs> but here we are on January 1st, 2022. That, uh, that's fantastic. I've got the Patriots in a money line parlay because who isn't going to have that, uh, that bet in the account? When we return, 
a field goal attempt in the Sugar Bowl. What will happen? And more NFL previews. Week 17 here on VEASAN Bet Center. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off a VSN all access subscription for the rest of football season with our big game special. Get access to our in depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits, showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today and you'll also get our daily best bets emails. Weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at vcin.com slash subscribe. We welcome you back in. It's vcin Bet Center. He's Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson. The score is still 7-7 in the Sugar Bowl uh, because Kale Nation, bad night for the Kale what Nation. What a name. Bad night for Kale's Nation. Uh, misses a field goal inside 40 yards, and this game is still 7-7, 12 minutes to go in the game. And what really of anything, the one bright spot for the Baylor offense tonight has been that of Abram Smith, who became Baylor's all-time leading single-season rusher earlier today. 19 carries for a buck 52, had a 49-yard run earlier. Uh, he has run uh, up and down on this Ole Miss defense. They just brought in Tristan Ebner, who picks up a first down. 11 and a half minutes to go, a Baylor team who just picks up their ninth first down of the game. With the 11:30 mark now into Ole Miss territory at the 48, Jerry Bohannon five of 15, 32 yards, a 2.1 yards per attempt average in a pick, and uh, wow, that is that's a touchdown. That is a touchdown. <laughs> that yeah. is a touchdown. What, what was the camera guy doing there? Uh, and, the, and the ESPN pretty, camera guy missed the entire play. Looked like it was pretty obviously an end around. I was Drew bizarre. Estrada 48 yards to the house. Excellent play call by Baylor. Excellently done. Wow. I don't think that was Estrada, by the way, who scored. That's what the ESPN thing think that, was I don't, think, I don't think the graphic goes right. It goes someone else. <laughs> I think you're actually, now that I think you're right. Now, what a banner hey, night. Banner night. 80 yards in a minute and 55. Well done. Well, Basically, your second half total now is all of a sudden uh, a, it's somewhat of a sweat if you put uh, if you played 21. If, well, you should have been able to get a 21 and a half under, but that's now going to be 14 points yeah, in the second here, half. PAT good, 14-7, 11 minutes to go. Here's the thing now, though. If you're Ole Miss, how could you possibly kick the PAT after any touchdown the rest of the game? That's a, that's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a fair point. 
It was Baldwin, by the way, who scored the touchdown. So there you go. Good work. By, yeah. Good work by the. Not 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 the best of plays there for uh, for the uh, <laughs> for the the, the, yeah. uh, the flagship there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so that that is uh, that is a touchdown, yeah, forty-eight yard uh, to the house there, and the Hankins kick is good. Uh, so uh, Monterey Baldwin, his first really his first touch of the night, goes forty-eight yards for a touchdown. Baylor now going to be back uh, to the in-game favorite here, laying six and a half, heavy juice to Baylor again. Kind of thinking like, if you don't think Ole Miss can score, they're going to make you pay that tax there, minus uh, minus minus one forty to minus one sixty, uh, depending on the book. All right. Back to the NFL previews for Week 17. Jeff, interesting game here in Indianapolis that we saw a, a significant line move earlier today based on the Carson Wentz news. Activated off the COVID list, changed his status to probable, expected to play tomorrow as this was earlier in the week. Colts minus 6.5-7 originally dropped all the way down to the 2, 2.5 mark when the original Wentz hitting the COVID list came out. But with the NFL changing its protocols, around both vaccinated and unvaccinated players, of which Wentz is a member of the latter category, really changed everything as far as his, his potential to return for this game. And it, after the line went back up to six and a half, seven, now up to eight or eight and a half here with Wentz going to play, does not appear as though Darren Waller will go. Big loss for the Raiders as you look at a team that still has has four pretty key starters on the COVID list with Corey Littleton, Denzel Perryman, and Casey Hayward along with Darren Waller. Question is, Jeff, we've seen this line move now. This is this is a one of the few one teaser candidate options this week that is very tempting on the Indianapolis Colts. Now that it appears as though Wentz is good, even though it's up to eight and a half, you can still get it below the seven and the three, Jeff. Is this one that you're you're at least firing on teaser wise? And if anything else, are you still tempted to look at Indianapolis from an overall spread thought at a at a inflated number that we are getting in the market at this point? You know, it's it's tough because the Raiders offense really hasn't done anything since Waller got hurt in that Cowboy game. And Indy's got, Indy had all those COVID issues last week and still managed to win in Arizona. They get their whole offensive line back, basically, after being 80% down by the end of that game after Eric Fisher got hurt in the middle of it. Uh, Darius Leonard is back after missing that game in Arizona. Uh, it's just the one thing that I will say, though, and this line will go up once Wentz is officially ruled in in the morning, assuming that nothing changes. I kind of want to take a little bit of the Raiders at eight and a half, just in case if Ellinger ends up starting, just in case if something goes haywire and Wentz getting cleared. Because if Wentz ends up being ruled out, this thing dips. We saw it was going to reopen two and a half mm-hmm. earlier yeah. in the week. I don't know if we'll go that far. I'll probably go to three and a half, four, but... I don't know. I just have a weird feeling that Vegas is going to play this game close, even though there's really nothing. If Wentz, assuming Wentz plays, there really is nothing that shows you that this is going to be a one-score game. So I have no problem with the line move. Indian a teaser seems pretty good at two and a half, but I, I don't know. I just uh, it, there really isn't much much substantial to back the Raiders in this game. I, I, for some reason, I think this is going to be a one-score game, Ben. Look, the last two weeks, Raiders facing Nick Mullins in Cleveland and Drew Locke in Denver. And, the one and it was barely. a and 33-27 combined scoreline from those two games. Two wins for the Raiders. They just get by. Here's the one thing that this game, to me, Jeff, ultimately comes down to. It's the Raiders' defense and a team that's been 10th against the run this year, 8th on early downs against the run as well. And they've been first. They've led the league on early downs against the run over the past five weeks. And you're taking on 
a, a all all world running back in Jonathan Taylor. You see his MVP odds, offensive player of the year, all the amazing numbers he has put up. Indianapolis overall, no surprise, first running the ball uh, on offense of all NFL teams on the season here. And that is why, while the Waller news, obviously, when your best overall athlete is is on the COVID list, that is certainly big. But having two pretty key linebackers, Corey Littleton and Denzel Perryman, who have a big role in that rush defense. And the reason why that rush defense under interim coach Rich Bisaccia has been so good and has kept the Raiders in all these games, really, with, as you mentioned, the Raider offense not doing much without Waller, that is my bigger concern on Las Vegas. Indianapolis, to me, with, with those, especially with those guys out, will, will be able to establish the run pretty early and often will be able to open up a big lead here and, and expose kind of, you know, the, the one, the kind of the one-way minded thinking of, of a Derek Carlett offense, even though his numbers have been decent without his top, uh, top wideout, really. I know Darren Waller's a tight end, more of a wideout. That, to me, Jeff, is why this will be a harder game for the Raiders to keep close maybe than you think. I have no, no, no issue with the teaser. I got it at seven and a half when, as the news, I think it was about maybe 10 minutes after the news came out. Line, it took maybe a half hour for this thing to go all the way up to the eight and the eight and a half. So I teased them down to one and a half. We'll discuss the, the, other, the other leg that I paired them with. Was kind of looking for a dance partner, and this was the perfect opportunity to do it. But this is, again, one of those games where, like, the narrative street, Jeff, is on a totally different area than what I actually think the real, the real key to a game is, which is the Raiders' rush defense. Uh, in the end, Jonathan Taylor's going to have himself a day. Not sure that, you know, the rushing props on him have probably gotten out of whack at this point when you start having to get into the triple digits. Like, not really. We saw this last year with Derrick Henry. Like, at what point, are, you know, you're just kind of priced out of that market. So I wouldn't really be playing those, but he is going to have success on the ground tomorrow. That is something I am confident in. By the way, uh, in, in the one game going, uh, Ole Miss just threw another pick. So uh, oh, the, this, this, this seems to be uh, a lost cause here for the Rebs at the end. All that, and we're 14 7. Uh, JT Woods Baylor's leads the Big 12 in interceptions uh, in his second. Tonight. Baylor has 32 yards passing. And they have the ball at the 15 yard line. 14 7, oh, 950. And all those, those under 21 and a half backers are like, you got to be bleeping kidding me. Probably is what they're is what is likely going through their heads. I will squeeze in one more game here before the break. Let's get to Atlanta Buffalo and let's just let's just get one of the big spreads out of the way here. Atlanta Buffalo, a spread now where you're seeing as high here in the market, Jeff, as, as 14 and a half, still some 14s out there. Uh, as you have Buffalo currently the four seed. This is a game supposed to be foggy in Buffalo, 21 degrees. Falcons this year, Jeff, have been outscored 237 to 94 against the seven current playoff teams they have faced. One in six in those games and uh, and Atlanta comes into this game obviously the massive underdog still somehow like I don't know how they're alive but they are still somehow technically not out of the playoff race worst 7 and 18 by DVOA in football outsiders uh, database history uh Jeff do you see Atlanta keeping this within no. the two scores okay. no I'll be very quick no I, I don't know how this team has seven wins they're horrible they're horrible and it's their offensive line's bad Matt Ryan is on the wrong side of his career, obviously. The defense, I think, has actually been a little better than the numbers dictate. But this is just a bad football team. And Buffalo, other than Jacksonville, has eviscerated horrible teams this year. There's no reason to think they won't eviscerate another thing against one. Buffalo. you got to be able to run the ball on Buffalo to, to stay with them. And Atlanta has been terrible in that, Marks. 31st rush offense, 31st run block win rate. They can't block people. They can't run the football. 
they're not going to be able to run on Buffalo, and you sure can't pass on Buffalo. Second to pass defense. Would be better off with Michael Turner than the, than the oh, uh, running man. backs there's, they have now, now except for Patterson. Now there's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, we still have one more hour to go on the show. We'll wind down the Sugar Bowl next and get our final game previews in NFL Week 17 up next year on VEASAN Bet Center. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.